and it was probably something that she said that like saved my life was I love my child. I hate parenting. And I was like, oh, I can, I can get behind that, you know, because it's true. I love my child. Love is not enough. Ever feel like you suck at this job? Motherhood, I mean. Have too much anxiety, not enough patience. Too much yelling, not enough play. There's no manual, no village, no guarantees. The stakes are high. We want so badly to get it right. But this is survival mode. We're just trying to make it to bedtime. So if you're full of mom guilt, your temper scares you. You feel like you're screwing everything up and you're afraid to admit any of those things out loud. This podcast is for you. This is Failing Motherhood. I'm Danielle Batman, and each week we'll chat with a mom ready to be real, sharing her insecurities, her fears, her failures, and her wins. We do not have it all figured out. That's not the goal. The goal is to remind you, you are the mom your kids need. They need what you have, you are good enough, and you're not alone. I hope you pop in earbuds, somehow sneak away, and get ready to hear some hope from the trenches. You belong here, friend. We're so glad you're here. Quick disclaimer, this episode was the first recording I'd ever done, and I didn't know what I was doing. My audio in this interview is not amazing. I promise you, production quality will be on the up and up. You have my word. Bear with me. Laura's words are so worth listening to. Okay, back to the show. Welcome to Failing Motherhood. My name is Danielle Bettman, and on today's episode, I'm honored to be joined by Laura Pryor. Laura is passionate about being a conscious parent and bringing awareness and connections to all relationships in her life. Her roles include mother, wife, daughter, and therapist. At her core, she's an imperfect human trying to make the best of this path of life. Welcome, Laura. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So you and I met last summer when you had reached out for parent coaching. And since working together, I feel like I have only gained and learned more from you than you probably have from me. (laughs) I don't believe that to be 100% true. (laughs) I think so. That's how I'm seeing it. (laughs) So you have a daughter, correct? Yes. Uh, Mina is five and a half. Okay. So take us back to your foray into motherhood. And uh, was it all cupcakes and rainbows? (laughs) No. (laughs) So my pregnancy was completely normal. It is the best I've ever felt in my life. My birth of her was a dream. Um, And then probably two to three weeks after she was born, the proverbial poop hit the fan. Um, (laughs) She had some stomach issues. She had some acid reflux that... She wasn't sleeping like I thought she should be. Um, mm-hmm. And my nursing journey with her in the first six weeks was really challenging. And so, like, I basically spent the first year of life just trying to survive motherhood while also now taking care of another human. And, oh, how am I supposed to also be able to do my job? So, yeah. So you were still working at that time. Yeah. My plan had been to stay home for six weeks and then bring my darling daughter to work with me so that she could just nurse and sleep on me the whole time. You know, 
that didn't perfect happen. plan flawless yeah <laughs> what could go wrong <laughs> i ended up staying home for 3 to 4 months which was by choice um and also by necessity and i think i only brought her to work with me like once or twice and that's because she was probably like sick and mm-hmm. I, I she was a little bit older and i knew she could tolerate it so there you go so how did how did things pan out according to what you had expected what happened um I don't want to say nothing. (laughs) Nothing (laughs) went the way that I expected. Um, You know, that whole idea of like, oh, the parent I thought I'd be before I actually got pregnant and had a child. Um, I mean, one of the things that my, one of my dear friends that I've known for a long time, and it was probably something that she said that like saved my life was, I love my child. I hate parenting. Mm. And I was like, oh, I can, I can get behind that, you know, Mm because it's true. I love my child love is not enough. <laughs> when you are a parent, it is absolutely necessary. You know, I love Dr. Shafali and she talks about how 99% of parenting is about the parent and 1% is about the child. So mm. she has been my great awakener and has, I don't want to say forced because I've chosen it, but to look at all the stuff that I don't want to look at and how am I going to show up in my relationship with her? Yeah. So how did you come to that awakening? Like, did you know all of that and read all of that work prior to becoming a mom? Or was that something that evolved? So my mom came across Dr. Shafali on Oprah and actually got her first book, which is The Conscious Parent. And I, I read it while I was pregnant. And I really, really loved it because her work very much is in line with um, one of... I don't know if you want to call it like a therapeutic technique, DBT, which stands for dialectical behavior therapy. So I was like, oh my gosh, this has so many connections. I can apply this because I'd been doing DBT for so long. And I could really get behind this idea of that parenting, even though it's a bitter pill to swallow, is mostly about us and very little about the child. And I don't feel like that is common knowledge. No, no, definitely the um, the old school, if you will, mentality is, you know, children are to be seen and not heard. They are to be controlled. They are to respect us because we are the adult that um, they just need to listen because they just need to listen. Mm-hmm. So absolutely kind of flies in the face of a lot of that stuff that we've been told for a long time and what our parents were told and generations before that. Right. So if you knew that going into motherhood, how did you assimilate that knowledge when you actually had a baby in front of you? Well, you know, parenting an infant is like, you know, now I I loved one of the things that you sent out in an email a while back that like parenting is best like it's best when you're reflecting on it in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it sucks in the moment. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, now in hindsight, I'm like, oh yeah, she was like super easy when she was a baby because it was just like, keep her alive. (laughs) There wasn't a whole lot of actual like guidance, so to speak in those times. Whereas now it's, yeah, there's a lot more kind of like hands-on. So How has Mina shown you the ugly side of what you've had to address? That, well, so not only is she, 
I don't know if this will, this may not make sense for a lot of people, but she's an eight on the Enneagram. <laughs> and I know you and I have talked about that. And I'm just like, hold me. <laughs> you know, if you want to start throwing labels that like as a baby, she was high needs that like she's stage five clinger. She's my barnacle baby, Velcro child, like de- very much like me. And then of course we nursed and did extended nursing, which only, you know, further reinforced that which I don't regret by any means. And then as she moved into toddlerhood, that like a very, very spirited, willful, stubborn, you know, all of these things that we think about are like the negative labels that we throw on people, not just kids. And so it's like on the one hand in the moment, I can be like, can you just do as I say? Does this have to be like an eight point argument. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, when I'm kind of in the moment and beyond it, it's like, okay, she's probably not going to be a follower when she's older. And I'm going to be so grateful for that. But Lord help me right now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And I don't feel like, like I have one of those. Every family I've worked with has had at least one that is Definitely registering higher on the Richter scale of (laughs) all of the things and all of the energy, all of the emotions, all of the opinions, all of it. Intense. Yes, very intense. But we're we're not equipped to know what to expect with that or to know how to handle that at all. And that's where I feel like parents really do struggle and without having – tools or perspectives, they start to just kind of grab at what they know and assimilate that with what they, how they were parented or what they've kind of taken from society. And that's not always helpful, especially if it's making them feel a lot of guilt and shame or take a lot of things personally. And so what has that looked like for you? Well, you know, my, what I've always told kind of myself and even clients I work with and just in conversations with family and friends is we can't give to others that which we don't possess. And which is why if we don't do the work on ourselves, we will not be able to give our children a different way and how we show up. We can want to do differently than our parents, but because that pattern has been well-worn in the brain until we actually do the work, when we're under stress, we're going to go right back to what we know. And it's not a conscious choice that like, I won't go into all the brain science behind it, but like we don't have control over that. It's part of the like fight, flight, freeze response. Yes. And you can speak to that as a therapist, (laughs) which is why I brought you on because I feel like that perspective is so valuable to give moms that, that permission to address that work, but then also take that guilt and shame away that they think that they should just be able to override all these things and consciously do better and then hate themselves every time they don't. Right. Because it's one thing. So we need three things. We need awareness, we need acceptance, and then we can make behavior change. So awareness is just like, oh, this is my pattern. This is how I'm showing up. Or, oh, this is the narrative. I've realized that what, how I was parented and this is what I liked about it. And this is what I didn't like. Then we have to accept where we are at. Acceptance just means it is what it is. It's not saying approval, which is saying it's okay or it's not. It just is what it is. Because if we're going to judge something of like, oh, it shouldn't be that way, well, that's just going to keep us spinning in mud. 
And then you can start making changes. But then the other trap we fall into, and I'm sure you've seen this too, is like how many different parenting books are out there? And there's nuggets in all of them. But I remember when I was my second job out of my master's, I was the family therapist. And because I didn't have kids and I'm working with kids, I could get the relationship piece, but trying to help the mothers with parenting was challenging because I only had all of these different strategies to rely on. That like, if I could go back and do that job with the knowledge I have now, it would look very different because I would make them focus or help them focus on building that relationship. 100%. I have the same perspective of going back to my first job and doing home visiting. I was given the curriculum that yes. was very language and yes. literacy based and, you know, the the fine motor activities and all of the, you know, things and the resources. And um, it was great, but it was definitely missing that huge component of the personal growth on the parent side and yeah. the emphasis on that parent-child relationship that, yeah, I can't believe those parents even really listened to me not being a parent. Right. <laughs> well, because that traditional, that you know, from whether it be from a strategy point of view or the curriculums they've come out with or even the parenting styles has all has been about the child needs to change. So we blame them like they're being naughty or bad or whatever that is. And mm-hmm. then there's no accountability for how we are showing up. Right. And that's not about like judging yourself of like, oh my gosh, I'm a horrible parent. Because again, that's not going to help you make change. It's one thing to recognize the feeling that's coming up because I am a horrible parent is not a feeling. Shame mm-hmm. is a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but the judgment itself isn't. And that's just going to keep us stuck in it. Yeah. So what do you feel like would be helpful reflection or you know questions or perspective for moms to kind of, quote unquote, judge their own behavior with? Because- you know, I've really emphasized to the families that I've worked with that we can't control the child's behavior. We can only control our behavior. Yes. And, you know, you should be kind of being responsible for having that as your report card of if you want to, you know, have some sort of measurement of success instead of looking at your child and saying, well, they can now keep it together and be quiet and calm. So that means I'm doing a good job. Instead, it's, you know, at the end of the day, reflecting back and saying, you know, I did what I'm responsible and have control over to, you know, make sure that I'm doing as good of a job as I can be. So what advice do you have for moms? So I would say the metaphor that has been resonating with me a lot, and I don't know, it's, I'm not going to say this is like spontaneously mine, but it was just one that came to me in the moment last week and I started using it that like when we show up in our relationships and our daily life, are we going to be a leaf or are we going to be a tree? So that idea that when we are a leaf, we are at the mercy of the weather conditions around that, around us. So that can literally be if it's sunny out or cloudy out, or that could be our child woke up in a good mood, or that could be our our partner woke up in a good mood or a bad mood. And then that changes how we show up. So in order for us to feel okay, good, whatever that is, the environment has to be just so. Mm. If we are tree, that we can have confidence in our ability 
in any given moment and how we are showing up. Doesn't mean we're still not going to struggle, but that idea that like a tree, especially like an oak tree, because like when they get hit with storms, their roots grow even further into the ground. But I mean, Mm -hmm. you've seen pictures of trees and storms where like they're like almost bending to snap and yet they don't. And so it's that idea that when we have, you know, if, if you will, our internal holes, so H-O-L-E-S, and we are working on filling those or trying to patch them over, you know, whatever metaphor you want to use, that we have more to give to our kids in particular. Mm-hmm. So in doing the work, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, for, for like, whether it be my journey or what I kind of start doing with the clients that come to me and they are in a place where they, they are willing to do the work because let's face it, you, you show up. I think the, the general idea is that you go to therapy, your therapist helps you work through whatever, you know, whatever current problem is in your life. Um, and then you leave and then maybe you come back the next week. Um, yes, I still do that in some way, shape or form, but the, what I do is, what's your part in this? And they're usually like, wait, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we want to blame. We want to blame outside instead of reclaim what is our responsibility or on us to have accountability for ourselves. Because that's the only person we can control for. Mm-hmm. So is, that, is that usually hard? Yeah, I would say there's definitely the ones that seem more, and it kind of depends on where they're at, you know, in the process that are more willing. But a lot of them I get like deer in headlights, which I get because I was the same way when I started diving into this information. So, I mean, I can completely empathize with them. I'm like, look, I understand that this is like easier said than done. (laughs) Yeah. And even with all of your background, all of your insight all of the work that you've done on yourself and the you know readings that you have dove into have you shown up 100% the way that you've hoped to as a mom no <laughs> <laughs> and i'm the first to admit like oh my gosh no but it's not about us showing up perfectly one mm-hmm. that that perfect and potential I wish we could wipe out of the human language or just language in general, but like it doesn't exist. It's not a metric that is realistic and it's, and it's a metric that even if we do find a word for it, it's constantly changing kind of like, you know, hashtag pandemic, how we measure productivity needs to change right now for the season of life that we are in. So Mm. it's not about, you know, it's not about showing up perfectly. It's about showing up, being mm-hmm. attuned, being messy. And, you know, when mistakes happen because they're going to, apologizing. I started apologizing to my daughter as early as I felt like she could understand. And even probably then she was really too young, quote unquote. But like, you know, because I think every child goes through it, but it's like they hate getting in their car seat. And I used to get so frustrated. And there were days when I would freak out and, you know, and then I was like, oh my gosh. And, you know, very intentionally apologizing to her and telling her like, it's not okay for anyone to talk to you that way. Mm. Yeah, that's powerful for her to hear. Yeah. So what 
what advice do you have for moms that feel like they're failing, moms that feel like they have a lot of work to do and, you know, aren't proud of of how they're measuring on the metric of, you know, what their idea is of success in motherhood, which we could that's a whole nother podcast episode of what success in motherhood has yes. been told to us and how completely impossible it is to meet that standard. Um, but what advice do you have to meet them where they're at and just kind of help them see what next step they could take or what they can really look at and be proud of? Yeah, because I think you do have to, I don't know if it's a natural human tendency with our brain or if it has to do with like our programming, but we are wired to give more attention and energy over to the things that we are doing wrong. Um, And so we have to be very intentional about, you know, illuminating the things that we are doing well or effective because um, that's different based on the family and the culture and the times and everything like that. And so you do need to look for those moments, you know, gratitude, if you will. There's a reason why gratitude works. It rewires the brain. It forces you to scan your environment for things to be grateful for. And you have to choose something different every day. Otherwise, our brains get lazy and they'll loop on the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so finding those, you know, genuine encounter moments, I don't know if it's Dr. Shafali or someone else, but gems that where you were like, for 10 minutes, I was totally engaged with one of my kids and whatever it was Mm -hmm. and totally attuned. And that's the really nice thing about attunement and connection is that it is, it is quality over quantity. Mm. So yeah, you could be doing the dishes and have all of your own tasks and things. But then if you took advantage of that 10 minutes with your child and then, you know, went back to life, but you really made the most of those 10 minutes, that's valuable. Yes, absolutely. And if not, you you may or may not at first see the value in it. Your child will out the get-go because – it's reinforcing, it's keeping the relationship in the front of our brain. And let's face it, I'm sure you've seen this with your own kids or just in relationships in general, that when you feel like you've got a decent, you know, a good enough connection with someone, you are more likely to um, receive feedback, be influenced. And that last one, I don't mean like be manipulated, but like kids in general, when they feel connected to you, when you make a request, they're more likely to respond in a helpful way. I'm trying to figure out the best way to word this, because of course they're not going to be they're they're not going to just be like yes, and you know they're not obedient, um, hypnotized, yeah, <laughs> right, right. But like it's those if you have enough gems in the day. The hope is that that child feels more connected to where you have a greater influence in the relationship. And attunement, does that mean that that you have to do a craft off of Pinterest together? No. So Dr. Shafali talks about love your child less and attune to them more. Love, like I said at the outset, love is not enough. Is it needed? Absolutely. Love is also a behavior just as hatred is. Anger and joy are feelings. But to me, love and 
hatred, they require action behind them. And so attunement, according to Dr. Shafali, is putting um, awareness into action. So when your kiddo is like, you know, the lovely three to four o'clock meltdowns, like, you know, it's a little bit different now, I would imagine, but they've had a long day at school that they have been, you know, I think the the average child receives 2,000 task demands or requests in a day. And so who knows what number they're at at that day, depending on what grade level they are in. They're probably hangry. And you know what I mean? So part of attunement is recognizing that they get in the car and they're just out of sorts. And it doesn't mean you like it. You know what I mean? But like you can give them a little bit more grace of like, yeah, I can tell that this might have been a hard day for them. Or, you know, you you come prepared with a snack in the car. <laughs> Not to like, oh, you're upset. Here's some food. But more like, hey, you think you might be a little hungry? <laughs> right. And some of the fears that I've been confronted with or, or been asked when giving that perspective or that suggestion is moms that, you know, want the best for their kids. So they really want to be teaching them in all the right ways. And so they have a misconception or a fear that if they give grace in those moments, that they're reinforcing bad behavior. Right, right. Is that true? I, I hear that as well. Um, you know, the the a lot of the stuff I see online, which of course, you know, social media gives you the the best snippet of humanity at any given point <laughs> in time that you have to be hard on them to teach them, um, that you're going to raise wussies. Um, I'm sorry, but the world is going to chew them up and spit them out. Don't you want to be their safe harbor? The place where that they know that no matter what is happening in their external world, they can come home and know that they are safe and loved and that they matter. Mm-hmm. 100%. Our, our gut instinct tells us that, you know, like in those moments of when we see and we recognize they're struggling, they're asking for help, they need me. But then we, we sometimes feel that need to override that and say, well, no, I need to, you know, I need to hold the bar or I need to keep them accountable. I need to, you know, address this and make sure it doesn't happen again. And that's, that's what doesn't feel right. And I think the more that we become more attuned to ourselves and what feels instinctively right to us as a mom, then we can make the best decisions for our kids because we know them better than anyone else will. And I think that that process, too, in becoming attuned to ourself, it carries with a lot of um, trauma, whether it be generational or um I don't know if existential is the right word in this, but you know what I mean? That uh, Dr. Shafali talks about how the bulk of parenting is done by age 10. That doesn't mean you stop parenting. It just changes. Mm -hmm. And then Glennon Doyle talks about how at age 10, we as women start getting indoctrinated into what we, how we are supposed to show up in society as women, as mothers, as wives, um, as workers, if you will. And so I think that part of becoming in tune with what we feel like gut-wise, like this doesn't feel right to do this to my child, then we have to start looking at how that was done to us and really Mm. peeling back the layers and really 
possibly grieving our own relationship with our partners, with our parents, with ourselves. Yeah. So it's so much more layered than just showing up differently with our kids. Yes. I feel like that encompasses kind of full circle what we started off talking about, about how parenting is 99% about us. And that's that magnified where we are really confronted with that deeper level of peeling back the onion of why am I so triggered? Why am I so confused as to what's the next right thing? And yeah, it's not about the two-year-old's meltdown. It's just that is the biggest catalyst to making us confronted in the first place. That is the current manifestation of a trigger that was already there. Because a trigger is a trigger because it's already there. That like, you know, like I, I, when I work with clients, I, I'm like, okay, if somebody told you, like, they were like, ugh, you're like a really bad baker and you know you're not, you're going to be like, what are you, what? But if somebody says something to you, like, um, questioning your parenting, you're going to be like, oh, wait, maybe is that right? Because that insecurity was already there. Somebody cannot make us feel something that we don't already feel, whether we're aware of it or not. Oof. Yeah, it's deep. Bitter, yeah, bitter pills to swallow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now you're making me feel like I'm failing more. No. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. Like, yes, fail. Do you know what I mean? Like, what does we have as a society? It's the judgment we have the about the word failing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know what like the Webster's Dictionary, you know, uh, version of failing is. But if we just took it at face value... There's no emotion feeling in the definition of failure. It's the judgment, the perception we have about it, the stuff that we vomit onto it that makes it like kind of punch us in the gut. Yeah. It's the ways that we compare ourselves to the mom next door and our Mm -hmm. perception of her and what we feel like she's doing better at than we are or, you know, what we've been told by our mom that we should be living up to or, yeah, all of the other things that we pile on top of that. Mm-hmm. And again, that that layering, that like, guess what? Think, you know, you think over your lifetime and you think about like when maybe you feel like your life has been easier and when you think it's been harder. And we need kind of the easy times in life because basically it's our respite from being a human being. And because, you know, it's full of pain. I mean, you know, and nobody walking around today is fine. I don't even know what that means. It's only in the times when it's been hard that we truly, truly learn. Why? Because we made mistakes. Mistakes just means you're learning. Yes. Growth mindset for motherhood. Yes. Yes. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. 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 Because that's what we want to teach our kids is that idea that failure is a part of success and that mistakes are okay and that is how we learn and we haven't mastered that skill yet you know the power of yet and like that's still a new concept I feel like to not only parenting but to how that even translates to us yeah so if we could teach growth mindset to moms are there any like takeaways that you feel like would be good for them to start applying that Well, just looking for the teachable moments. Do you know what I mean? Not only with your child, but with yourself too, that you can ask yourself, which I realize, you know, in the moment it can be hard to do. But here's the thing. 
When your child is having a conniption fit, what's going on in the environment? I mean, unless it's like seriously a life or death situation, we don't have to respond as if it is. Mm -hmm. We can take a deep breath. We can just give space to the child's tantrum. I realize if they're like hitting someone and hurting someone or, you know, trying to run out into the street, that different situation. Yeah. We don't have to respond as if there's a four alarm fire. Because mm-hmm. if we don't take care of ourselves first, and then we go in and the child sees that, you know what I mean, we're all worked up, it's just going to escalate them. Right. Sometimes, I know there was many times when Mina would have tantrums, and, and even now, where I'm like, I have no idea what to do. So you know what? I'm just going to see if I can give her a hug. Mm-hmm. And now that she's a little bit older, she's a little bit more resistant at first. But eventually she will come in. And then I don't, I just don't even say anything because when, whether it be a child, even an adult, but so, okay, going back to the brain a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. adult brain is not fully developed until about 27, 28. Um, and that means that the prefrontal cortex is not fully online. And that is kind of um, what helps control emotional dysregulation, impulsivity, things like that. When a child has literally flipped their lid, That means that right now they are in their amygdala and they are in a fight, flight, freeze response. That you trying to do any sort of redirection, discipline, or punishment, or even lecturing at them, they don't hear any of it. Mm -hmm. Your only goal is to connect before you redirect. I think that's Dr. Laura Markham. But... Until they have calmed down, and generally it takes the brain about 20 to 30 minutes to do so, it's not it's not going to be a teachable moment or a learning situation. Yeah. So knowing that, it gives moms permission to not have the perfect secret formula strategy thing that's going to make or break that moment and put all that pressure on themselves to, okay, I got to, you know, be super perfect in this moment so that I can... Mitigate this as quickly as possible. Right, right. Because really what that comes down to, it comes from our own place of fear of like, I don't like what's happening. And we're not sitting with our own feeling about seeing our child struggle. Oof, yes. So true. That's hard. Trust me, I get there. I mean, there's times where, you know, Mina's starting and I can sense it. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. I mean, I don't say (laughs) it out loud, but then I'm like, okay, just breathe. Like, don't, don't join her storm. Yes. So everyone can now see why I learned more from you than. (laughs) (laughs) We are all learning together for sure. Yes. You're you're so wise. You have so much perspective because I can just tell that you're so passionate about this. You've done your research and continue to do your research because it matters to you and it matters to your work and it matters to your relationship with Mina and how you continue to, you know, grow and evolve as a mom every day. Um, I feel like we can't, you know, judge ourselves based on comparing ourselves to another mom, but we can co- we can challenge ourselves to show up better today than we did yesterday. Yes, yes. And I mean, the only reason, I don't know if it's only, the biggest motivation behind all of this work has been because I had a child. I don't know 
if I would have done this amount of work had it not been for her. Do you know what I mean? So like this Mm -hmm. gift that she's given me that I am now able to pass on to others and, you know, take what you want, leave the rest. I'm not responsible for what, you know what I mean? What resonates with you and what you're like, well, that's hooey. Um, Because like I said, it's a bitter pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. Um, in, In that fashion, I attribute that to her being in my life. Yeah, we can thank our kids. <laughs> I think I thank my second daughter for teaching me most of what I know <laughs> to help parents because my first was relatively by the book. And so I was like, all right, everything that worked in a classroom is working for her. So this is great. Um, I am a A-plus parent. And then the second <laughs> one came around and <laughs> threw all of that in the trash. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> And that's where I've really had to choose to go on that journey with her and realize that I didn't know everything I thought I knew. And, you know, you may I make this joke all the time, but you don't come to a place of full enlightenment and, you know, arriving as a grown up. And then you're allowed to have a child and teach them. It's actually the total opposite. Like they walk into your life and then you're invited to grow and evolve and come to a better understanding. So what books or resources do you recommend? So, well, right now it's really cool. I know I've name dropped Dr. Shafali how many times in here, Um, (laughs) but she really, yeah, she's got, so she's got three different books right now. And then she's got one she just released with Rainy Jane and it's like how to get super powered and it's um, walking parents through um, the teenage years with kids who have really high anxiety and quite frankly, what child walking around today because of social media doesn't. Um, I haven't gotten that one yet, but so her three books are wonderful. She has multiple online courses that are all 50% off right now. Um, I actually just joined her group called Luminous and it's just, it's for women um, in general, and it's just women being women. It's not showing up in the roles. Um, so I think it's kind mm-hmm. of more about that that path versus coming into motherhood or parenting. And then um, she has been posting daily videos on YouTube, and they started on April 10th. So she's been doing them daily in regards to the pandemic. She doesn't focus on the pandemic, but she uses it as the current manifestation of all the crap that we've been trying to run away from and now staring a square in the face. So I would say she's the one I get the bulk of my information from. And then um, Dr. Dan Siegel and Dr. Tina Payne Bryson, they have co-authored three books together. So The Whole Brain Child, The Yes Brain, and then their latest one, which is The Power of Presence or Showing Up. Um, Mm -hmm. That one's really, really good. Of, I mean, all three of those books are my favorite, are, are really good, but I think the last one is my favorite. Maybe that's because it's the one I most recently read. Brene Brown and all of her work on shame mm, is very course. applicable. And she's got a wonderful podcast right now. So if you're not familiar with Brene and you don't like to read or you don't feel like you have time to, um, the podcast starts to give you a little like toe in the water to what her work is. 
Well, I love the people that are showing up for us right now because it is an unprecedented time where yeah. we are being confronted with a lot of the stuff that we were running from and you don't have all of the busy things to keep us occupied and keep our brain focused on other things. And so we're spending a lot more time with our kids and that's showing us some beautiful aspects of that. And it's also showing a lot of ugly things that are, you know, forcing us to maybe maybe level up or, you know, know that we need to show up a little bit differently or need yes. more perspective. So now is a beautiful time to double down and choose what we're investing in, what we're paying attention to and, you know, t- say yes to that invitation to, you know, learn and grow. Right. Because here's the thing. I, I fully believe this and you can kind of insert whatever um, phrase resonates most with you. If we do not learn the lesson now, the universe will give us another opportunity to learn it. So Ooh, you can either do. do it now, right, right, <laughs> or you can do it later. <laughs> it never fails. <laughs> that's really that's really good perspective. Because <laughs> I think a lot of the times, too, when strangers ask for parenting advice online, they just say like, oh, you know, three is hard, but it gets better by four. Oh, they just need to learn or, oh, they're just, yeah, it's just a phase. And then, you know, you just kind of have to barrel through it, put your head down. And yeah, I challenge that because yeah. one, that's not how people actually learn. <laughs> and two, it's that's if 99% of that interaction is coming from our side of it, then if we just continue to do the same thing over and over and over, helping, hoping for a different result in their behavior, it's just not going to come. Yeah, because if we are blaming them, like, oh, you haven't gotten this yet. Stop blaming, start reclaiming. Ooh, I love it. Okay, so that's a good note to end on. The last question that I'm going to ask every mom that I bring on is, how are you the perfect mom for your daughter? Um, I'm not. <laughs> Um, I feel like, cause you know, I, I get where you're going. I hate the word perfect, yeah. uh, well, <laughs> but I get a good, yeah. a good mat. Yeah. Chemically. Yes. All of the things. Yes. Um, I am, I'm good enough. I am willing to look at myself, um, even when I don't like it and cultivating like that. I feel like two of my biggest strengths are empathy and curiosity, which I feel like the world just in general needs more of. Um, and I don't know if that's just because that's innately part of who I am, you know, being a three uh, on the Enneagram, or if it's just because like I've leaned into the brain or the pain it creates in my brain that now I just ignore it, that I am, I am good enough for her I am constantly willing and open to learning more. I fully believe I don't know everything. Um, yeah. And that's, and that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for all Thank of the time today, Thank you for having today, me. Yeah. For all the wisdom and advice and perspective and vulnerability. We have learned a lot in this short episode. So I think podcast over. Just one yeah. episode. Call it good. <laughs> Sounds good. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. You made it. What'd you think? I hope you heard the one thing that you needed to hear today. Next episode, we'll hear from one of my good friends opening up about how she really believed she wasn't a natural mother and how that devastated her for too long. I hope every single episode serves you, supports you, and encourages you. 
please subscribe on iTunes, write a review, and tell a friend. These are the ways we spread the love so another mama doesn't feel so alone. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. You are the mom your kids need. I believe in you, and I'm cheering you on.